Listener Production. Languishing has been described as that neglected child of mental health. Many individuals have experienced that feeling of despair, the decrease in job security and, and increase in loneliness as their, their focus switched into really survival mode. And as this pandemic has dragged on, we're no longer reacting with panic. We may be feeling really fatigued, really bogged down by this long-term emotional turmoil. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. In a period of such uncertainty and low control, a common phenomenon has arisen. It's a feeling of apathy, restlessness and monotony in the day-to-day, and it's filtered through to our work lives. Sociologists use the term languishing to refer to this psychological state, which the New York Times recently dubbed the emotional long haul of the pandemic. It occupies the space between depression and flourishing and commonly manifests in trouble focusing and low motivation and feelings that life has little purpose or joy. People are questioning the future and are blocked from achieving things that are really meaningful to them. The languishing mindset can lead people to feel paralysed because the clear, meaningful goals that drive us forward are lacking. My guest today is Dr Natalie Flatt, a psychologist and co-founder of Connect Psych Services. She focuses on employees, leaders and teams, highlighting the importance of self-care, stress management and empathic communication. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on Fast Track today. Thanks so much for having me, Margie. Now, you're joining me from Lockdown Melbourne, which is really good of you. I'm wondering the obvious question to start with, what exactly is languishing? Oh, well, you summed it up beautifully before. It is the the dominant emotion of 2021. And languishing has been described as that neglected child of mental health. Across Australia, many individuals have experienced that feeling of despair, that fear for loved ones, the decrease in, in job security and, and increase in loneliness as their, their focus switched into really survival mode. And as this pandemic has dragged on, we're no longer reacting with panic. We may be feeling really fatigued, really bogged down by this long-term emotional turmoil. This is, you know, in in consequence, it's affected our motivation and our drive towards both our, you know, professional and personal activities and lives. And really essentially overall what's making us tick as, as a human. It's so interesting. And, you know, I think that we can then overall feel quite dissatisfied with life right now and and a little bit disengaged um, and really apathetic, um, really digging deep for energy, you know, just to complete those tasks. And then when we do complete those tasks, we're not finding the joy that we used to find in doing them. And we really want to be able to do something that's worth the effort, but we just don't know how we can get there. So when we talk to many people about this and and many of our employees and even the leaders and and individuals and general public, they they describe it as feeling quite disillusioned, um, very blah. Mm, I have spoken to a number of my clients as well, and one of them said, I've just discovered the word for me. Mm. The low motivation, that's been super common, hasn't it? People say, I don't know how I'm not achieving so much. I'm not commuting. Yet they're just not achieving things. 
I want to know, is languishing a mental health disorder? Well, actually it isn't. So we like to look at mental health like a a continuum, dare we say, right? So depression can be on one end and flourishing can be on other. And and with depression, it, it really, you know, the diagnosis of depression or the symptoms of depression, it really extends into all aspects of our life and it doesn't come and go. Mm. It usually lasts within, you know, for at least six weeks and requires a professional help to treat it. But it is, it's something that we can see we have a baseline and we might start to deteriorate over time. And this just shows this incredible sense of helplessness um, and loss of purpose in life. And if we flash forward to the other end of the spectrum where we have that flourishing, um, that's characterised by a sense of connectedness to our life and our relationships and our career. Yes. And when we're in this state of flourish, we we have this energy, we, we have the confidence and the resilience in our ability to control and, and improve our own mental mental health and quality of life. Where we're finding ourselves right now is, is it basically in the middle. That's why they call it the middle child of, of mental health. Um, people who are languishing, they don't meet the criteria for a mental health disorder, even though we have had a lot of people presenting to us to say, I feel as if I'm depressed because I don't have that motivation. So they, they do lack that degree of vitality and that optimism, mm. which is associated with the true well-being. But we feel that you know, individuals can feel that they're moving between emotions. So there is that transition or I suppose like that transient emotion. And we do want to see that with with people that are presenting with us and, and with our clients that they are moving. And it's not just that that degradation of a baseline and, and, and going downhill there. So that's where it isn't really classed as that mental health diagnosis, rather a lack of well-being in this current time. Why are so many of us feeling this way at the moment? I know we touched on it briefly, but what are the signs that I might be languishing? 2021, Margie, hasn't this been an interesting year? It's probably a year that we never predicted was going to happen, to be quite honest, Um, especially in Victoria, (laughs) being thrown right back into straight from last year that that's created a lot of trauma you know if we if we really want to go back to the start you know we looked at march you know where we were we were told as as australia as a whole that we're going to we're going to get through this we're going to pivot we're going to be able to do this for 6 weeks or 8 weeks i can't even remember what brett sutton said then in victoria and even um, the prime minister as a whole that we were going to be you know the best homeschool teachers we were going to have the best workplace station we were going to convert that garage into that gym. And so what we ended up doing is that we, we we pivoted in such a way that we we threw ourselves with force. We threw ourselves into that survival mode. So essentially from a biological and physiological perspective, we switched on our limbic system and we punched through that adrenal response very quickly. We utilised all our adrenaline. So we came out of that lockdown and we all said every teacher needs a raise like all that stuff of just sick of you know we all had the laugh with the spouses and we can't handle that they chew anymore and you know we had all these little jokes and we thought we got through the hard bit of it and all of a sudden especially Victoria and even you know aspects everyone felt it we got thrown back into it and we realized hey wait a sec we've now got to dig deep again Mm. and so it's like we had to go back into that survival mode and we're not we're not built for this, Margie. This is not the way our fight or flight system was supposed to be used. It was supposed to be used in these short, sharp bursts. And so, you know, we've been having this feeling of fear and and of dread for so long, and we haven't really had that clear 
I suppose, that ending and that that finishing line in sight for so long. And we are questioning how long do we have to keep on running? Who else is going to jump out from those bushes? And and that's what has just caused this incredible fatigue and this long-term emotional turmoil here. Mm. You know, media, that, that hasn't helped this, the cause mm. and the sensationalisation of, of media the restrictions, the rolling lockdowns or the in and outs of the lockdowns that we see this level of unpredictability across Australia-wide. So people have stayed poised um, for this threat and essentially that's worn down the adrenals. Because of that, it also wears down our, our frontal lobe and our frontal lobe is is where we have all that decision-making process and that organisation and that rationality come in as well. So we've kind of got a bit of a double whammy there. Wow. The adrenal drain really makes a lot of sense there. What other impact does it have on our brain, this sense of languishing? Absolutely. So because, you know, we've had this level of chronic stress, dare I say, you know, we have been placed into this situation of that unpredictability, that anxiety, that kind of just going through the day with that level of trepidation. Mm. As I said before, adrenaline is supposed to be used in short, sharp bursts to get us out of a threatening situation. When the situation has gone past 18 months, this is, is beyond something we've ever felt. And because of that, not only has adrenaline been pumping around these other hormones around our body, that can actually wear down our, our whole immunity. But, you know, the beauty about our brain and the way it works, Margie, is that when our adrenaline or our limbic system is firing, it basically switches off our, our crudely saying, it, it switches off our frontal lobe. And that's where all that decision-making, that rationality, that problem-solving ability, that, you know, that storage of, of memory is is really placed. So that's where we're finding that those everyday tasks to, to utilise, you know, those problem-solving abilities, those actions become far more sluggish. Mm. And then we throw in that that, that sociology perspective there where we've been isolated and and where we've been told that we can't see our families and and we can't get there and we have to be restricted and we have to be careful and and that bombardment um, we're not built for that you know we need pe- people need people so we, we've got again this I can it's, it's kind of coming at us from all directions and our brain has just become so worn down from it and just so fatigued. I've found my memory's gone a bit. Um, It's either because I'm getting older. I'm just wondering what impact it has on learning and memory, this idea of languishing. Well, it's exactly like that as well. It's it's probably that, you know, we've kind of our limbic system, you know, the the frontal lobe has been overrun by our limbic system. Um, It's called amygdala hijacking. So it's just being in this fight or flight response. We're getting out of a situation that our brain is telling us we need to get out of. So everything else is switched off. We don't need that component of our brain right now. So we're just focusing on on what is in front of us there. Mm. But because that was obviously then going to affect our concentration and if our concentration is getting affected, our learning gets affected. The creation of short-term memory into long-term memory is getting affected there. And it's amazing how many people we're talking to and they'll have a conversation right now with us and then they'll go, oh, 
what were we talking about? Mm. And they go, I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've got dementia. I feel like I'm so old, as you just said before, Margie. It's not. It's actually just because of the way and the stress that our brain has felt right now to the consequence of that, which is, yes, definitely concentration, learning and memory and productivity. So, Natalie, are there some people who are more predisposed to languishing than other people? Yes. So we have seen that individuals who are more extroverted, they have actually struggled considerably during this time. And that's also due to the limited socialisation and and the learning and, and that stimulation they get from that environment or even from that the sensories from that environment and the changes. So you think about how many images you would see even going to work on on the train. You know, you might catch the bus, then you might go to the train, you might see different people and observe that. You might go to a little coffee shop, grab a coffee, have a small conversation, see different banners, all that classical conditioning that ignites creativity and um, and excitement, especially for the extroverts, have been stripped away. So we are noticing the extroverts have been feeling that languished effect. Mm. Individuals also with a history of depression and anxiety or who are genetically predisposed to to more psychiatric conditions are more prone to languishing than others. Mm. Additionally, new pandemic research is found uh, that the frontline workers last year who were languishing during 2020 were on average three times more likely than their frontline peers uh, to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. So we are seeing that there are more people that are predisposed to languishing and the effects of languishing than others. So what does languishing look like in a work context? So the most common symptoms we are seeing in the workplaces right now, Margie, is that feeling of being disconnected and disassociated essentially from your co-workers. We see a lot of more irritability and emotional output, so confusion and sadness there. Uh, we're in that, again, we're in that adrenal state. We're poised for that and and when we don't have that rationality clicked on or as sharp as what it normally is. Mm. You know, we're seeing a lot of employees and teams having that inability uh, to become excited about upcoming projects or changes. They feel like they can't deal with anything more that will rock their world or their boat right now. Again, difficulty focusing, uh, remembering small tasks, uh, a lot of relationship breakdown. We're seeing a lot of cynicism um, happening about their leaders and and their colleagues, um, even their career and and wanting that career change and and even questioning whether this is the right career path that they're currently on. Mm. And we see a lot of procrastination and a lack of motivation to even complete upcoming projects or assignments and, and get on top of that general daily work. And there's a hidden problem there with these symptoms too. You know, they make forming and maintaining those positive relationships a lot more difficult, probably due to the fact that we are, you know, in this remote working way of life right now. Mm. But also then we're also in a remote way of life from a personal perspective too. So it's very morphed. Um, you know, it's, it's really coming together through both work and personal, this this personality change and shift um, in our emotional state there. The negative relationships and, and that limited social connection, it does lead to that interpersonal stress. It does lead to those performance issues and it can further hammer down, you know, our sense of well-being right now. Mm. In 2020, I felt that it was the year of loving the leader and everyone was celebrating great leadership. And this year, I feel like it's been a really hard year for leaders to lead and be appreciated. 
and that's one of my observations there. Natalie, what are the simple practical tips that we can put into practice if we're feeling apathetic or stagnant in our lives so we can sort of move from this languishing to flourishing and thriving? There are so many things that we can do. So I want to finish off positive here, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. it is. And look, I think it's important to self-check in. That's one of the biggest ones that we do at Connect Psych. And, and self-check-ins, they're the most important things you can do from your mental and your emotional and your physical health to get a really accurate reading on how you're feeling in this present time. Mm. And we call this affect labelling. And what you can do if you can identify or name that emotion you're feeling currently and don't dismiss it, what that allows is that allows our brain to compute that. And it also then it, it, it magically, you know, allows um, our amygdala to slow down. Mm. That adrenal response lessens and that that ability to, for the, the frontal lobe to open up. Yes. It has that opportunity. So we always encourage everyone to try and, and check in. How are you feeling right now? And doing that and not dismissing your emotion in that present moment, mm. it really helps helps with being able just to to get on with the day and then flow through that emotion, realise that that is just the emotion just at that present time and that emotion will pass. So it's a very powerful tool to be able to have there. Mm. I really like savouring. I think savouring has for all of the employees and the leaders out there, again, it's about being trying to be present in the moment. When we have have that worry and that and that angst and that anxiety, we're really looking towards the future. Yes. And then when we can focus on the past, that can lead to that more unmotivating and depressive symptoms as well. Let's try and focus ourselves on the present moment and savor in the, the activity that we're doing right here, right now. You know, we encourage, you know, incorporate mindfulness and nature into your into your savoring experience. Go outside lie down, you know, look at the clouds, but also incorporate what what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you tasting? What are you smelling? What are you touching right now? And that will immerse you in that situation and just give your brain a bit of a rest. And it's amazing how revitalizing that, that can be. One of my favorite people is a lady called Auntie Julie, an Indigenous woman who says that she goes and lies, she recommended to me to go and lie on the grass and let Mother Earth take your worries and let her fill you up. And it's a it's a really beautiful, savouring sort of moment in, in it just doesn't take very long at all. So I'm going to do that this weekend after I've spoken to you. So thank you. What are some of the other ideas that you've got for practical tips for us to move from this idea of being, you know, stagnant and languishing to flourishing? I think we also need to celebrate our small wins. Okay. Even the smallest of things in the day and and being able just to tick off those things and and they may not be big at the moment. We really have to take a huge step backwards in that. But those tiny small wins like, you know, I made someone else smile today that I walked past. Um, you know, what has made me proud at the end of the day? What has made me excited for, for tomorrow? They don't have to be large. We have to create that realistic expectation of what the current environment is. Um, And this goes back to, um, you know, the simple things in life are free, aren't they? 
Yes. So, you know, what made you smile? It could just be the way the sun was shining on a certain leaf that day when you went for a walk or something funny someone else said or something that you heard or even watching an old movie, Mm. you know, the familiarity of, of watching an old movie and how that then made you feel. That can be a small win. We need to take those with us and we need to appreciate those right right here, right now. Again, like I think with with everything that we're trying to do and and, uh, we get flustered, I'm I'm a busy mum with our platforms uh, and I've got two young boys who certainly keep me on my toes in this time. And uh, it wouldn't wouldn't be uh, remiss of me if I didn't actually say that I've lost my car keys, I've lost my phone, I've lost my sunglasses in many places. So what we're trying to encourage uh, people to do is get a basket. When you walk into the door, put everything that you need to walk out of the door in that basket at that time. Find places and set places up where you're going to remember those things. We always encourage, you know, when the when the house is quiet at night to then be able to take note, reflect on how the day has been, but also then what you need to do tomorrow. So have that quiet time that's free from distractions to be able to write a list. Go back to lists. Mm. If that's what's going to help with your organisation and your memory, again, it's really only short term please utilise that because that can actually not only make you remember things but also give you a sense of achievement when you can tick them off. So, again, it's going to encourage that motivation right now. Mm. I really also enjoy opposite action. Okay, this is a technique that we use in our dialectal behaviour therapy and this involves choosing to do exactly the opposite of what your emotions are actually telling you to do. So let's take, for example, a very common languishing emotion right now is is being quite lethargic, okay, when we can't be bothered trying and we want to then avoid the things that will get us out of this state. So, you know, like exercising, um, you know, eating healthy. So we'll go to that default there. And when we then go, when we, like I suppose, move from an emotion and we utilize that behavior that then feeds that emotion, it's far, it's far harder to pull ourselves out of that. So what we want to do is we want to try making a list, a, a list of the things that we can do. And these should be realistically attained, you know, in, in the short term. For example, in despite of feeling lethargic, we may not want to go and do a 10 kilometer walk. But we might want to do small things like putting a load of washing on Mm. or doing the dishes or tidying up or doing some other, you know, small little tasks that actually go directly against the feeling of lethargy. And this is going to then over time create an opposite emotional experience there and also then give us a sense of accomplishment. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about how over the last couple of months I've gone for a walk every single morning for about 8Ks and that seems like many mornings didn't feel like doing it, but it's actually the difference between having a good day and a yes, bad day. Absolutely. And that, that, see, that even goes in your small win category, doesn't it? Yeah. Before you even yeah. start your day, you're doing something for you that would encompass a sensory moment that encompasses that endorphin lift and also is a big box ticker before you, you you know, you start your work day. And I definitely have a coffee along the way. So there's the endorphin quicker number two. All right, we've just got a few more minutes. What's the last couple of things that we can do to move from languishing to flourishing, Natalie? You know what, Margie, I can't not say self-compassion. Self-compassion, you've got to treat yourself right now with kindness and fairness the way you would to a good friend. 
Okay, when they're facing setbacks, disappointments, um, you know, they're trying times, what would you say to them? Okay, even utilizing your self talk to even say things like, this is temporary. Okay, we are all going to get through this. I will get through this and I can try again next time. You know, self-compassion is saying I'm not perfect. Mm. I'm more than this one negative moment or mistake. We can even create a a self-compassion toolbox that reminds you of these statements and, and even some activities you can do to help you take time out of that situation when you are feeling, you know, quite overwhelmed. And this will help with that self-regulation and then build that resilience along the way that we, we still want to keep on, on simmering away in, in the background. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, connections. Most of all, feel and be connected. We can't forget that. And we want to do this with substance friends, you know, social connections, whether it be family, neighbours, colleagues, just someone to talk to, to debrief with, to, to laugh, to cry, to share with and to be vulnerable and raw. That is also what is going to be able to get us through those those harder days and also for you to also be there for them through their hard days too. I have just loved this conversation because it's filled with so many practical tips and it also helps understand and put meaning around some of these feelings which are new for many people in terms of their work day. So thank you so much for joining us to talk about languishing and languishing at work and what we can do to actually shift to a flourishing mindset and way of being. Dr. Natalie Flatt, thank you for joining us on Fast Track. Pleasure, Margie. Thank you. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Listener.